0: I'm Jay Matthews, and this is A.D. Update. So this is a great uh, way to kind of end the summer for the A.D. Update. We'll be moving into the school year pretty soon, but a little bit of a bittersweet podcast because we are actually saying goodbye uh, to someone this week. Luke Miller. Luke has been with us uh, since the summer of 2021 and is following God's calling on his life to uh, go to Dallas uh, and study uh, theology, continue his studies there, earning a, eventually earn a PhD in theology at SMU. But Luke, man, excited to talk with you about your Broward experience and all the Lord's doing, but welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you, yeah, I'm thrilled to be here.
0: So I wanted to do a little bit different with you. We, we'll we talk about your background in just a minute, but I want to talk about that summer day I walk into the coach's office, and Coach Matthew Forrester had just met this new career prep, uh, ACT prep uh, teacher that uh, is joining us, and, and we're just doing things online. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're scrambling, still kind of COVID, COVID mm-hmm. days, so uh, so what do you remember about that day? Because I have some some great memories of it.
1: Well, you know, it was all very fortuitous, you know, when I interviewed for the job here, Uh, It was exclusively ACT career prep. And in the interview, they asked me, you know, are there any extracurriculars that you'd like to be involved in or things you think you could do? And so I mentioned a few things, but one of the things I mentioned was football just because, you know, I played growing up and always kind of dreamed of coaching. But, you know, I knew that was probably – everybody probably said that or wanted that job, so I I didn't have necessarily any expectations. But when they asked me if I'd be willing to teach career prep over the summer – and they paired me up with Matthew, I was like, well, you know, uh, maybe the stars are aligning here. And so, you know, I tried to um, just subtly drop hints to him that I at least had a little bit of awareness of, you know, the game of football and some exposure and, uh, you know, didn't want to overstep any bounds. But, you know, luckily we worked together that summer and then uh, he finally kind of, you know, brought it up if I'd be interested to come on. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. And then, I became kind of quickly the 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 new kid on the block and had to kind of convince everybody uh, that Matthew didn't just find me on the street and bring me in.
0: <laughs> and and listen, I know this is a this is an audio podcast, but you know I, I meet you and, and you look more like Tommy Fleetwood, yeah. you know, than yeah. you, than you look like Lane Kiffin. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and I know we should never judge a book by its cover, but you know, you you look the part of an ACT prep guy. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so. I remember Matthew saying, hey, meet a guy that's you know wanting to coach with us, and I'm thinking, really, football? And then, of course, now we know that uh, not, not only were we being blessed with an addition of a great coach, but just a deep thinker, great person who's had a tremendous impact here. But
1: uh, Well, the funny part of, about all that is uh, just just bring it full circle. Yesterday we had our final seven-on-seven seven for the summer in practice, and uh, – we only had two quarterbacks with us, so Matthew asked me, you know, hey, will you hop in and be the third quarterback while we we warm up? No, and I was like, you I know, know, I was like, sure, yeah, I'll do that. So I started throwing passes. Well, Gray Rebels, one of our you know one of our best players, he's like, wow, coach, you can you can actually kind of throw it. And I was like, Gray, you knew I played quarterback in high school, right? And he was like, really? And I was like, yeah. So to this day, I think there's some players on our team that still think like they just that I have no actual experience with football, but they're just like, oh, we'll just bring this guy in. We need we need a, uh, you know numbers.
0: Well, in full disclosure, you're still a good-looking guy. Thank you. Know, you thank when you. I tell them I play quarterback, they go, really? It's for a whole other reason. Yeah. So you know, physically, you're fine with that. It's yeah, I guess a... neither
1: one of us look like CV. So.
0: <laughs> yeah. So uh, take us through your Briarwood
1: journey. So I'll, I'll kind of back up a little bit um, just to give a little bit of context. I actually knew about Briarwood because I went to college at the University of Minnesota, and while I was there, I got involved in campus outreach. Okay. And uh, my first winter that I was uh, in college, my freshman year, I came to a national campus outreach conference in Chattanooga, and Harry Reader was one of the, the keynote speakers, and since it was kind of all the campus outreaches across the, the country and the world, they sort of gave us the story kind of behind campus outreach's origin and all that, and, and so they talked about Briarwood as the church, you know, as part of that. And so when I moved to Alabama for seminary, I was familiar with kind of Briarwood. And I don't know that I knew a lot about the school or other things, you know, other ministries of the church. I just was familiar with the church. And so fast forward, when I graduated seminary, it was 2020 and it was two months into COVID. I started working at Home Depot that summer and I thought I was gonna be there for a while. I I didn't know, (laughs) but I had just got engaged. So I just had to make money and figure something out but at the church i was at at the time there was a another a friend of mine who was teaching at a school in alabaster called evangel classical christian school mm-hmm. and he was deciding to step away from that school to pursue some other opportunities and he kind of mentioned to me they needed to hire somebody and you know i had different aspirations i was interested in the the phd thing at the at that time and Um, some other things but just with COVID and getting married and all that kind of stuff it was like I just need to find a job that you know pays the bills right now and gives me some stability so applied at that school was fortunate enough to get that job and I'd always been interested in kind of Christian education or at least since college but um, you know just didn't know you know how things were going to unfold and so worked there for a year and kind of my my thought or my plan was well I'm going to Teach here for a year. Use that year to kind of apply to some Ph.D. programs because, like I said, that was kind of still the goal at that time. And then, you know, I'll kind of see what happens and go from there. Yeah. And did that for a year. Well, while I was there, um, I was mostly teaching middle school, junior high. And great school, great teachers, great administration, great kids but junior high was not for me. And I learned that in about a year. It didn't take it didn't take long. And so after that year, I was kind of, you know, I was thinking, well, I'm going to stay here. I, I kind of, my wife and I had kind of thought I'll be there for two years. Mm-hmm. And then after those two years, maybe I'd go back to school or whatnot. But I kind of started just looking to see what else was out there because I was like, you know, um, I can do this for another year, but I'm just, I'm just going to look and see. Yeah. And at the time, I'd actually applied to Briarwood when I applied to this other job. I think there was maybe a... I don't know if it was a Bible or English or you know some kind of position, and I applied and hadn't heard anything back, and that was in 2020. But this position opened up for an ACT career prep teacher in 2021, and I'd been doing stuff with the ACT since right when I got out of college, so like 2015. So um, I'd kind of run my own business here and tutoring kids and worked at different companies. And so I started reading about the position, and I was just like thinking about it, and I'm like, okay, well... Number one, there can't be that many people that have as much experience with the ACT as I do because it's just very niche, you know, thing. And um, was fortunate enough that, you know, like I said, I think I was one of maybe the only person that checked the boxes of what they were looking for, um, and was fortunate to kind of, you know, sneak in the door. And then, like I said, that summer, I was I was able to work with Matthew and kind of sneak onto the football team as well. Um, And it's been a wonderful two years. I when I came here, I like going back to what I was saying. My wife and I thought, well, maybe I'll just do this for a year. Um, just because, like I said, I kind of still had those PhD aspirations and COVID was kind of wrapping up and it was kind of like, okay, well, maybe this is the time to start doing this. But my first year here, you know, went by so fast and I loved what I was doing so much. I I didn't really even start the application process. And then my second year here, my wife and I kind of had the conversation where it was just kind of like, it kind of got to the point where it was sort of now or never, you know, it it wasn't really something that I I necessarily wanted to do because I was, I was loving being here and loving what I was doing, but it was kind of like, you know i just turned 30 we don't yeah. have kids yet it was kind of like well if if we're going to do this now is kind of the time it was a hard decision i mean there was there was a few kind of almost sleepless nights where i really had to wrestle with stepping away just because i you know wake up every day and love coming to work and yeah. loved working with the the coaches and teachers i worked with and loved working with the students i worked with and Sadly, I don't know if there's a lot of people that can say that. So it's kind of like the grass isn't always greener. So, am yeah. I, you know, I, it took a lot of prayer and a lot of conversations to really come to a place where we felt ready to kind of take this this leap of faith. But, um, but it's been a wonderful, wonderful two years. Let's start with the classroom, uh,
0: the students just rave about uh, you as a teacher, and uh, I'm not so sure it's it's necessarily a class that. For the average person, would be attractive, you know, almost like it's required. I'm gonna get it done. Um, probably parents may be more interested in ACT for score sure. than the kids, you know. Yep. So, what's been a little bit of your kind of tips or things that you've discovered in the class?
1: Well, you know, I think one of the things I tried to do was, was acknowledge that up front. You know, I would tell the students like you know, hey, sometimes I feel like the dentist, you know, like, uh, nobody really, get, at least, I'll speak for myself, I don't get excited to go to the dentist, you know, like, I don't yeah. want to ever go to the dentist, but on the, in the end, I'm always thankful that I did, and, right. you know, so I kind of acknowledge that with him up front, you know, I just kind of say, hey, I'm going to try and make this class as, you know, bearable as I can, but let's let's all be just acknowledge the elephant in the room, like, this is an elective. You you probably, your parents, like you said, your parents probably wanted you in this more than, than you necessarily did. It's not going to necessarily be the most fun content you've ever, you know, it's going to take some hard work. But the nice thing is there's at least buy-in on the other side to kind of tell them, but, hey, if you sort of trust the process, like, there could be thousands of dollars on the yeah. other side of this for you. And so I do think that helps just kind of, you know— And similar to coaching, right, I mean, like, you, it's not going to be easy. You kind of acknowledge up front, like, hey, we're going to work hard. There's going to be challenges. There are going to be hot days. Like, there's going to be days where you're kind of, man, it'd be nice to be at the pool with my friends and not be out here. But, you know, on a Friday night after we pull out a victory against a really good team, like, you're going to look back and be thankful that you put in that work. So, um, Because the ACT, you know, when you start thinking about it, if you kind of – think about the skills that you need to have to succeed at that. There are a lot of life skills, you know, I mean, you got to have a
0: thought about that. Yeah,
1: I mean, you got to be able to manage your time. Well, you got to be able to be able to set a goal and follow through. Okay, well, how am I going to get to achieve that goal? Right. You've got to be able to overcome some some probably some um, challenges or maybe setbacks, you know, when you do a practice test or things don't go the way you want. Obviously, you know, it just takes a level of discipline to continue to work at this kind of same thing over and over. So. I try to kind of take time in class to, you know, again, sort of push the books back and just kind of give them some, you know, bigger picture. Hey, you know, we're looking at this, you know, English grammar thing for the 20th time. But remember, like, here's kind of big picture why we're here. Here's how it's going to help you in the future. Um, And obviously try to incorporate some, you know, biblical and Christian principles in with that. So the other thing
0: that I think is a challenge for you is with our schedule, we're talking about sometimes 80 plus minute classes. Mm -hmm. So not only do you have Challenging content to keep uh, students motivated and the moments of inspiration needed, but the transitions between You know co- you know, working with the content yep.
1: versus having them practice which I would guess is a big part of oh yeah. ACT prep, you know one of the things I kind of sort of made you know kind of an unspoken agreement with the students at the beginning of the year What I would tell them is I would say hey, you know I understand that a lot of you are probably taking this class so that you don't have to really prepare for the ACT outside of school or outside of athletics or you know arts or band or whatever you got going on. It's like so, here's kind of the deal I'll make with you: if we come in and if kind of from you know the time the bell rings to the the bell rings for us to leave for class, if we use that time well and we work hard and make good use of that time. I'm not gonna overload you with stuff to do outside of here. Yeah. Now, if we don't use that class time well, and we, you know, are goofing around or whatever, and, and we, then we might need, I, you know, I can't promise you you're never gonna have anything outside of here. But what my promise to you is, I'm gonna kind of try and structure the class such that we make the best possible use of our time. And if we we kind of check that box, then you can walk out of here and not have to worry about anything from here until you come back in the next time. But then you kind of, you know after you subject students to like, you know, an hour long math review or something like that, and you just kind of look around and see they're fried. You kind of, I kind of learned the longer I was here to kind of break things up into chunks and, you know, have a yeah. little break here and there. And I think I got better at that as time went on. And I think that helped, helped the students as well. And so, uh, you
0: know, what are some of your statistics in terms of how you help students uh, you know improve their score because your, your score actually has an object it's like a scoreboard at the end of the yeah that's true you know? so give us some of the good news because I know you were very successful in that
1: yeah so when I first started doing ACT stuff before I ever came to Briarwood you know the first couple of years I did it I just kind of work with students and you know you'd get anecdotes like I'd hear back well you know this student maybe email me after they took the test and say oh my score improved you know it was awesome or or I might have a student email me back and say oh my score stayed the same and um, a few years back I started kind of you know I need to start kind of tracking like how are students improving? And so that was one of the things I really wanted to do when I came here was, you know, the students didn't love this, but the first thing I'd have them do in the class, I subject them to was a full practice test. And I just kind of told them, hey, this is just practice. I know some of y'all have never even seen this before, but yeah. we're just going to do it just to see how it goes. And we're just going to see how you score. And then that can give us a good way to kind of set some goals for the semester and, and track your progress. And so um, so I did that the the couple years I was here. And on average, I mean, obviously some students was more, some students was a little less, but on average we had students... Over the course of the semester, improved their overall score by about five points. That's um, awesome. So yeah, it was it was great to see. You know, you, it's kind of one of those things. You know, you never really know. Like you think you're you're making progress, but sometimes it's hard to. if uh, you don't have those kind of concrete yeah, proof, right. it's hard to sometimes to know. So. so
0: let's talk a little bit about the characters you interact with on the daily basis because we've kind of always joked we could almost make our own little TV oh, yeah. show, you know, comedy on Netflix about. Uh, the day in and day out uh, life at Briarwood, but
1: well, I would say my first year here, I got to mention Coach Carroll. Um, and anybody <laughs> who knows Coach Carroll, you know, yeah, I thought I, about
0: going back and doing another podcast just with him. Oh, you know, it would
1: just, absolutely be worth it because that that certain those those stories will always stick with me, like the Coach Carroll stories. You know, um, Coach Bautista. You know, he would always jockey to be the one that got to ride with Coach Carroll in the in the Penske truck to the away game so he could just sit there and listen to his stories. So this uh, this past year, I mean, I think, um, you know, Coach Wise and I were on the offensive side with the the kind of younger guys. And usually it was Coach Reese. Uh, and, and this past year, Coach Bautista as well. He's kind of coming back over the offense, taking my spot. But it was uh, Coach Reese and Coach Bautista. So, I mean, we had lots of fun competing with those guys. And um, you know, especially Coach Wise and Coach Reese. You know, Coach Wise, we'd, we'd drop some crazy play. You know, we'd run kind of the main script, and then we'd get to the point where we're about to, you know, only a few minutes left, and it's like, seven on seven, right, guys? We're going to just drop something crazy, you know? <laughs> and if it worked, then it was like, you know, we'd, we'd be yelling, like, take the ball to Coach Reese. But, you know, then we'd try something, and they'd intercept it, and then he would he would yell at the defensive guys to bring the ball back to, to us. But, I mean, Coach Reese also, I mean, uh, you know, he's got so many stories, and, um, and, you know, also a guy of great spiritual maturity and depth. So, always love being able to kind of joke with him and then turn around and have a conversation about, yeah. you know, what he read in his devotional that morning or what he's been thinking about. And, um, and you know, Coach Wise and, and Coach Bautista, like I said, we were together a lot with the younger guys. And so, uh, you know, we always, I mean, the, the, the players give you plenty of content sure. uh, to talk about and Especially laugh about, the and young guys. about. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, um, you know that, and and they they like to have fun with it too. I mean that we we'd sometimes we'd get together as an offense and just look at the defense and be like, all right, guys, who do we want to pick on? You yeah, know, and yeah, So, So um, there is there is a lot lot of good memories like that of just kind of um, obviously a lot of hard work, but also some fun times in practice and that kind of thing too. And and it's so
0: interesting because um, you know if you go come to Broward practice, there's really three practices going on all at one time. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's part of Coach Forrester's. The decision to not have guys stand around, you right? Know? But there is a difference between the young group and the older group, you know, because down where y'all are, it's competition and mm-hmm. a lot of laughing and just—I mean, it's a fun, fun practice. Yeah. And then down on the serious end, at times, you know, they're getting they're grinding for game, and then y'all, you guys, are kind of transitioning those guys from from that to you know it. It's an interesting dynamic to watch.
1: Yeah, I think there's a natural almost sort of progression to it that I've kind of picked up on, you know, the the two years I've been here where I think with the freshmen especially, you know, there's a lot of learning, there's a lot of patience, there's a lot of, you know, trying to make it fun, trying to make them kind of, you know, buy into the program. And then we'll have some sophomores, you know, where it's still kind of that, but it's also, you know, hey, like next year you're going to be down there, so I need you to – be helping these freshman guys, make sure they know what they're doing. You know, there's there's kind of a higher level of expectation and responsibility um, for those guys. And it is funny because there's occasionally times where, you know, like – an older guy might be homesick or couldn't be at practice and so maybe a younger guy gets pulled up and then the next day they're back down there with us and like how'd it go down there yesterday and they're like man that was that was different that was intense you know so they're not they're not used to going like 110 miles an hour and Coach Forster yelling at them make sure they line up right and all that kind of stuff I'd like to get your perspective on
0: system just briefly so you, you have a football background mm-hmm. you know you come here to Briarwood and, and it's typical we just throw you in and it's like anybody that comes in it's just like drinking from a fire hose, you know, the, the system. And you're a very smart guy, and you definitely picked it up, and you own it now. Like, you, you can tell every position what to do. It's always interesting to see you teach out there. But comment a little bit from the outside coming in, system itself,
1: language, and so forth that we do. Yeah, so um, just a, a tiny bit of context. I grew up in West Virginia, played football there kind of, you know, all the way through, in the same sort of, you know, community. And, um, my school was a, you know, a decent sized school. We had about 800 students. It was kind of one of the, it was in the biggest class of, excuse me, biggest classification in the state, but it was one of the smaller schools, similar to kind of Briarwood being mm-hmm. in 6A. And, um, so, we, my school kind of had their glory days, like in the 80s and kind of in that time after that, like 90s into 2000s, they kind of fell off. And so when I was there, they were still kind of, we'd gotten a little better, but we still were kind of, you know, a struggling program. And um, I think one thing is, you know, football is just... High school athletics in general, I think, have, just even since I was in high school, which, you know, I graduated in 2011, so it wasn't that long ago. But even in those dozen years, the way that it has changed and just become, you know, uh, I don't really know that I like this word, but I can't think of a better one. You know, Just more professional, just in terms of, I mean, just even like athletic training. I mean, what yes. what they're doing, the, the way that they track data, all that kind of stuff. I mean, it is just light years ahead of, of, I think, what it was a dozen years ago. And I think, you know, I mean, West Virginia football was probably still kind of the biggest mm-hmm. thing for sure, but uh, it's just not the same as it is down here. Yeah. And so, you know, for me, uh, you know, I was kind of like, the first, you know, season I was here in the first couple months I was here, like, I felt like I just got hired. Like, I went from, you know, my background playing high school football. And I actually, you know, was kind of around my high school team even, I guess, it was about five years ago. I was kind of like a team chaplain, kind of volunteer yeah. sort of coach. And um, even just, you know, just the numbers difference i mean like in my high school we it was a good year as we had 50 guys out on the team and then i came here to a school with overall smaller population and we've got more than double that number of yeah. players you know and so um when i came here it was like i felt like i you know it was high school to high school but i felt like i'd made a jump from like high school to you know junior college yeah, or you yeah. know d2 or something yeah. like that just because you know just little things that that you know we do that just really weren't a part of when i played the game you know whether it's you know, having film on the sideline mid-game, watching things, breaking things down. Like I mentioned earlier, you know, the way that we track data and players' progress in the off-season and the improvements they make. Um, you know, even just the schemes and things. I mean, my offense that I, I my offense when I was in high school was kind of always changing. Like we we'd always kind of start the year with some kind of you know grand vision of how we we're going to run the spread or whatever, yeah. and then mid-season we were back to the power I <laughs> that kind <laughs> yeah. of thing. Um, <laughs> But even just kind of, you know, the schemes and the way that you work with quarterbacks and teach them to read things and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, and even just the, the the number of practices we have in the summer and all that. I mean, it was um, – it certainly my head was spinning the first the first couple of months I was here. Just I was just trying to stay barely above yeah. above water. And, um, you know, my first year was also Barrett Trotter's first year here yeah. after he had come back from the professional and college level. So it's like being in the same room with that guy, you know, when I'm like – I'm like, you know, trying to just memorize like 10 plays, yeah. and he's over here like talking in a foreign language, <laughs> yeah. you know, so there, there was definitely some insecurity the first, you know, kind of couple months I was here, the first year I was here, and I was like, you know, I was like, I'm pretty sure, I have no idea what's going on, I'm pretty sure Matthew regrets <laughs> bringing me on here, like, I'm not sure I'm going to be invited back next year just because, you know, I mean, it's, the, all the things that we do, it's it's really impressive, and even my parents came down for a game the first year I was here, and kind of wanted to see, and. Um, you know, my dad it was kind of the same thing. He was just kind of blown away of like. If yeah.
0: there's one place that will miss you more in Birmingham next year, Luke, than Briarwood, it's going to be the Birmingham Stallions because you, early on, have become the number one Birmingham Stallions fan, and you picked the team at the right time because they're back to back USFL champions. So uh,
1: are, you, are you going to keep keep that love going from Dallas? Absolutely, yeah, I've, I'm kind of in too deep now to turn back, so it's kind of a funny thing, you know, I uh, moved here in 2017 to Birmingham to go to seminary, and when I moved here, you know, it took me some time to kind of find a church and kind of get connected to the community, learn my way around the city and all that kind of thing, and so in 2019, they had this thing, the Birmingham Iron, that was going to start up, and, you know, it was in the spring things were a little slower. I didn't have a lot going on. So I told a few of my my buddies from seminary, like, let's check this thing out and just see what it's about. And um, we really had a great time. It was my first time ever going to a game at Legion Field. And, you know, they had players from all kinds of different colleges from the southeast and different parts of the country. And so I had friends in seminary who had gone to school at LSU and Georgia and Alabama and Auburn, all these kinds of different places. So they had all these guys they remembered watching. And There's some really just kind of interesting stories of these players trying to make it to the next level, whether it was they'd been to the NFL and got cut and were trying to get another chance or, you know, whether it was, I mean, there was one guy, the quarterback, Luis Perez, who taught himself to play quarterback by watching YouTube videos in (laughs) high school and college and had just had enough talent that he'd kind of gotten to this level. and so. Uh, I was just kind of really captivated by these player stories and just kind of watching their journey. And then, you know, that fell through and it was kind of crickets for a few years and COVID and all that. And then in 2022, they announced they were going to bring back the USFL, which I was, you know, wasn't around the first time the USFL was here, but I was definitely intrigued because I'd followed the Birmingham iron. And then when they brought them back, they said they were going to have the whole league here in Birmingham. And so I was like, well, this is a great thing for our city. And You know, i would be awesome if we could really rally behind it and support it. And then, like you said, I started going to the games, and it never hurts when a team is good. You know, that doesn't make it hard to be a fan. So I went to, you know, several games the first year, and they ended up winning the championship, and that was really exciting. And then this past year was even more fun because there were some guys that came back from that first team and remembered some names and – they were still just as good, if not better. And so and you
0: went to the championship game, right?
1: I did, yeah. So the championship game was in Canton, Ohio this year. I didn't get to go the first season. I was interested, but we were out of town. And so this year um, I knew I, I wasn't going to schedule anything that week just in case we made it to the championship again. And it's only a couple hours from where I grew up in West Virginia. So met my parents up there. We went to the championship game. It was a great game. The the stands were fairly dominant, and so it was fun to kind of see them cap off the season that way. And, um, yeah, so after, after all those experiences, there's no going back now. I'll, I'll still be – I'm sure at some point next spring I'll make my way back here for a game or two because, uh, like I said, I'm just in too deep at this point.
0: Well, I don't know if anyone from the Birmingham Stallions will ever listen to this podcast. But if you do, you guys have to take care of Luke Miller and his wife uh, out there in Dallas and figure out some way to bring him back for a game or because uh, he's going to be rooting on you uh, there from Dallas. So typical of a Briarwood Athletics podcast, I want to jump a little bit into to some theology because uh, it's always fun here to hear all the coaching talk, you know. And mm-hmm. so oftentimes you and Jay Wise, head of our Bible department, will just be talking in these deep theological terms about everyday subjects, you know, even football, which is funny. Mm-hmm. So give us a little bit, you know, you're, you definitely had influence by campus outreach. You've told, told me your story a little bit. Talk a little bit about those influences, and then what are you anticipating studying? And then, are you coming back as a you know with a PhD one day and kind of tell help Jay Wise understand some some differences or thoughts? Or I've just always been amazed by that.
1: Well, the joke is I'm coming back for his job, but um, you know, hopefully he doesn't listen to this and hear that. But um, but no, so I just a, a little more background. I, I grew up in West Virginia and. Um, Grew up going to church. That was, I think, a big thing for my family. You know, I I played Little League football there, and um, for whatever reason, the games were on Sundays. And um, my parents, you know, made it a point that, you know, they said, hey, if you want to play, that's fine, but we're not going to miss church for you to play football on Sunday. So you're going to have to get up earlier and go to the early service, and then you can play your game after that. And so that was kind of instilled in me from a young age. And I was baptized at a fairly young age, you know, um, certainly kind of, believed that there was a God and that God existed that wasn't really I think much of a question for me but it wasn't really until my senior year of high school uh, when you know I like to say kind of the lights were maybe on but they came on a lot brighter I just had a youth pastor that kind of spent some time with me read a lot of scripture with me and um, just went through some things my senior year you know I has kind of had invested so much in football but that kind of you know wasn't getting a lot of return on my investment there we went three and seven my senior year it was kind of a rough year and um, you know, was in a relationship that ended, didn't know what I was gonna do after college. And so this youth pastor reached out to me and we started kind of reading scripture and things just really clicked in a way that they hadn't before. And that was at the same time, I was thinking about what am I gonna do with the rest of my life? And the things I thought I maybe wanted to do, I was kind of getting to that point where you know, I kind of realized, I don't really know if I want to do this, or I don't know if it's all it's cracked up to be. And I kind of got to the point where I started just considering ministry because I, you know, Jesus had just really changed my life, my senior year of high school. And I kind of realized, you know, the love that Christ has for me is really what I've been searching for and all these other things, you know, hoping to find that kind of love and acceptance. And, um, but, you know, my heart was was restless until I found that in Christ. And so um, I really kind of started thinking, well, I'd really like to to just kind of spend the rest of my life finding some way to share this with other people and um, didn't know exactly what that meant or looked like. And it was kind of, you know, it was too late to apply to all kinds of new Christian colleges and all this kind of stuff. So ended up at the university of Minnesota, like I I kind of described and kind of thought after that, I'd probably end up going to seminary, which I did. And that's how I ended up here in in Birmingham um, when I went to Beeson divinity school. Um, And when I was at seminary, I kind of always thought, you know, um, I loved, Uh, I've just always loved, you know, school and have always kind of had the desire to sort of, I think, try to, I guess, maximize, you know, my intellectual capacities or whatever gifts God has given me. And I felt like my master's degree was great, but and I needed a break after that. But I kind of felt like, you know, I don't know that I've kind of exhausted what God would have me to do with this. And so the Ph.D. was kind of always on the radar. And, um, you know, again, because of COVID and all that kind of stuff, ended up, you know, putting that on the back burner. But this opportunity opened up this year for me to um, apply and, and eventually be accepted at SMU for the Ph.D. program. So I'll be doing um, studying systematic theology there will be kind of my my yeah. concentration. And I've got a, a good advisor, I think, who um, several of my professors at Beeson spoke very highly of and recommended and. Um, so I'm excited to, to kind of work with him. I'll do a couple years of coursework, so I'll have to, you know, take a few more classes and I'll get to kind of, you know, craft that how I want, which will be be nice. And then I'll have a couple of years to kind of do the whole dissertation thing yeah, and yeah. try and write all that. And, um, and then, you know, Lord willing at, at the end of that, hopefully, I know, I know I won't have all my questions answered, but hopefully I'll be, um, a little bit sharper of a tool that the Lord will hopefully be able to use on the, on the other side for whatever comes next. And, you know, I think, um, I've kind of always felt like there's three things I've kind of been interested in, passionate about. And one is, uh, you know, ministry kind of pastoral ministry so that's always sort of on the radar um not sure if i want to do that full-time you know pastoring is a hard hard work so uh, but that's certainly on my radar and then you know christian education whether that's at kind of the college or seminary right. level or at this level what i've been doing those certainly are kind of the the things that i'm uh, want to hopefully return to and, and just be able to do an even better more faithful job at so um, we'll see what the the Lord has in store, but certainly it's on our radar. You know, possibly the, the possibility of coming back here.
0: Well, I can't wait to see what the Lord's going to do with you, through you, to you. You know, through that time, it, it'll just be a great journey. And then as we close out, I, I realize we had another common connection uh, that would only pop up in in chatting. But on your playlists in Dallas, I want you to keep the song "Run." You know, there leave Dallas in the dust, you know, and yep. run back as soon as possible. But then I found out because of the West Virginia-Tennessee ties, uh, you're a big George Strait guy. So. Yeah,
1: so I grew up going to listening to George Strait, love George Strait. Uh, my wife is from Memphis, Tennessee, so when we were kind of dating and getting engaged, you know, carrying your love with me was kind of a, <laughs> a fitting song for yeah. us, you know, West Virginia down to Tennessee. So uh, certainly we'll have some, some George Strait in the mix as we make the uh, nine, ten-hour drive out there. So
0: every time I've ever had to drive to Dallas, which I hope is never again, but it'll come up. I, I have to listen to Even if my kids are in the car and just crying, I'm like, no, got to have Amarillo by morning. You know, Absolutely. Got to have all the Texas songs in there, you know, as uh, heading out that way. But, again, Luke, our prayers are with you. Uh, you've had eternal impact here at Briarwood, uh, both on the coaches and uh, the students here. Uh I, you're so talented and gifted and I can't wait to see what the Lord's gonna do with you uh to this next phase of your life. And there's part of me that thinks this is just temporary and we'll see you soon, but only only God knows that.
1: Yeah, well I've loved being here. It's certainly been a privilege and honor and um you know, my wife and I, whether we're we're here again in five years or ten years or twenty years or or just show up now and then, it'll certainly always hold a special place in our heart and um, we have a lot, of, a lot of love and appreciation for you and the staff here, as, as well as the, just the whole Briarwood family. So we'll certainly be remembering y'all and thinking about, thinking about y'all, and hopefully coming back and seeing you often uh, throughout the fall and the years to come.
0: At Briarwood Christian School in Birmingham, Alabama, and each episode of this podcast is dedicated to our coaches, volunteers, and other staff members, who help us wrestle with what it means to be a Christian competitive athletics program in contemporary society. Thank you for tuning in to this latest episode of AD Update.